Psalm 37 verses 1 to 9. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. But trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in the way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. But cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. As I said last week, I think uh, the psalmist wants us to, us to get in our heads that fretting is no good for anybody. So stop fretting from this minute on and just trust in the Lord. Now we come to the end uh, of our little look into some of the vital principles that David has set out for us in the beginning of this psalm. And they are, uh, as we've looked, they are principles that we do well to take on board and to take in. Help us uh, to, to face or navigate the year that lay ahead. You know, we are now, of course, well into the year, uh, into February, and uh, uh, this is just a little springboard into the the 12 months that lay ahead. No one knows what's going to happen. No one knows what's in store for us. It could be a time for fretting. could be a time for fear. You know, with all the uncertainty that uh, exists all around us. And yet you're, this, this counsel that David has given to us and through him to us this morning is that fretting is of no value to us at all. I think we've got enough time this morning, even though we are well into February, to consider one more thing that David is dying to tell us before we venture out completely and let 2019 go and embrace 2020. This is the moment we've all been waiting for, to get us going. You know, and so far, we've been exhorted to trust in the Lord and to feed on his faithfulness we've been exhorted to delight ourselves in the Lord and knowing that he will give us the desires of our hearts we've been exhorted to commit our ways to the Lord and we saw last week that he will he will bring forth our righteousness you know and now this morning the one that appeals the most to someone like me and that is verse 7 Rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. 
So that's the counsel that we can look at this morning. Rest in the Lord. And you know, and I'm quite a, that word quite appeals to me. The word rest is nothing like it. Nothing like it in normal life. You know, when you've been at work and you know, you've been busy doing this and you've got this on your plate and you've got that on your plate and you've got to get this then and you've got to get that then you've got to go to this place and that place. And then all of a sudden, you go, go home and you realize you've got nothing else to do. And you just sink down into the settee and rest. What a marvelous time. What a wonderful time. My favorite time of the day is to lock the front door and sit down and rest. You know, but even more so in the faith, as far as uh, as far as our trusting God is concerned, and our life in general, our spiritual life, and our emotional life, and our physical life, takes away all the striving. You know, we think, have we got, have we done enough to please Him? Are we giving enough to please Him? Are we coming here enough to please Him? You know, and there's this striving within us, and and Jesus said. All you who are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Christianity is all about resting in Him. Resting in Him. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, discipline. You know, and sometimes it takes discipline to rest. You know, because uh, especially if you're a, that busy type of person and you, you're happy when you, you be in the Martha and you know, running about you there and everywhere. It's difficult to rest. You know, and that's a lovely picture in it of uh, the discipline of rest is when those two sisters were entertaining Jesus and one of them was rushing around making the tea, making the beds, making sure that the hall was clean and the other one was sitting at the feet of Jesus resting and drinking in everything that he had to say. Now firstly I would like us to notice or take notice of some of the things that I haven't mentioned in these four messages that we've looked at so far this year and that is the don'ts you know I haven't haven't sort of majored on the don'ts and there's quite a a lot of don'ts there but what I've done uh, over these last four weeks is I've majored on the do's because I think uh, that uh, doing the do's will automatically cancel out the don'ts. If we trust, if we delight, if we um, commit our ways, if we rest, then we'll have no problems with the don'ts, the fretting and the envying and, and the, the worrying and stuff like that. You know, it's a positive message to us. It's not cut out the don'ts, but it's embrace the do's. Embrace the trust, embrace the commitment, embrace the delight, embrace the rest. No, but I'm going to mention them all the same. Because some of us may be having problems with them. Perhaps I'm speaking to someone this morning. Listen to them. Don't fret. Don't be envious. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. And again, don't fret. And again, don't fret. You know, in our text this morning, three times David tells us not to fret. Not to fret. Now, these um, beneficial prohibitions come amid the trauma of living in a sinful 
godless, selfish world. A world that follows its own interests and gives very little time to the worship of God. In fact, as we saw last week, it's a world wherein its only involvement with God is in its opposition to Him. You know, and Alison was speaking here last Sunday night and she talked about us being God's representatives or God's reps in such a world. You know, by doing so, places us in the position where these prohibitions could become commonplace among us. These four emotions, and especially fretting, could possibly be very no and very normal response to what we see going on around us. You know, it does annoy us that the wicked get on so well. You know, and that the, the selfish, they have so much power and they wield so much power. You know, here we are, we're trying to bring something good to the world. And we are told to shut up. And we are gagged from doing it. And yet... We know that in our schools so much evil is being taught and and yet it's lawful for them to do that. And it's unlawful to keep your children away. You know, it seems it's all upside down. You know, and therefore these prohibitions, these emotions, fretting, envy, anger, wrath, you know, they might rise to the surface as Christians. And we think, well, we've got to do something about it. As we looked at last time, you know, but here is David telling us, don't go down that road. Don't go down that road. Rest. Rest. Notice also why these things shouldn't be the emotions that define us. Verse 8 says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret because it only causes harm. It only causes harm. In other words, these negative emotions will have no effect upon the situation we find ourselves in. You know, they won't change the world. If we are angry, if we are envious, if we are full of wrath, if we are fretting, it's not going to have no impact upon our circumstance, no impact upon the world at all. It will have no effect upon any of the situations that we find ourselves in, except to bring spiritual and physical harm upon ourselves. So if we entertain these emotions, then we are foolish because we are hurting only ourselves. You want to look again, these adverse situations, these arrogant people, they have but a very short shelf life. You know, just like Moses when he made his choice, what was he going to do? Here he is in Egypt. He's in the lap of luxury. He's looking out at his own people and seeing them being abused and, and killed and, and oppressed. You know, what does he do? You know, and what he does, he chooses to become a part of their life rather than stay aloof from them. You know, he chose the reproach of Christ rather than the passing pleasures of sin we know that sin and the pleasures of sin are very have a very short shelf life they're here today and they are gone tomorrow you know the sin that we enjoyed today becomes a burden to us 
yesterday becomes a burden to us today we know that because we become slaves to it and instead and we do the same things but now instead of it being pleasure all of a sudden it's a pain it's a pain because it has gripped us rather than we being in control of it we see it so much with drugs we see it so much with alcohol we see it so much in other in, in gambling and things like this we see it that yes it was a, a pleasurable pursuit when we first started but how many have got to that place where they cannot be without it and it, it destroys their lives it's a passing pleasure however way you look at it you know, whatever it is it's only going to last a certain amount of years because then we will be in eternity and Moses understood this more than anyone else he could have stayed where he was and enjoyed the comfort of Egypt but he chose rather to suffer reproach with Christ rather than enjoy the pleasant the passing pleasures of sin you and yes I know that we are concerned with the present and yes I know that we hate anything that affects us now but take a leaf out of Moses' book and then perhaps we'll have a, a different attitude you know always remember that his choice led him into the wilderness for 40 years only to be driven back to Egypt from the Egypt that he had fled from only to charge back into the wilderness that he had left for another 40 years 80 years in the lap of luxury would have looked great in comparison to what he went through but here is his secret by faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible you and Moses is a great example to us because he saw the invisible God among the trauma of Egypt. He saw the invisible God among the hardship of exile. He saw the invisible God amongst the problems of the wanderings in the wilderness. He kept Jesus, he kept Christ ever before his eyes. You know, could we say? That Moses trusted in the Lord and fed on his faithfulness? Could we say that Moses delighted himself in the Lord and was given the desires of his heart? Could we say that Moses committed his ways to the Lord and his righteousness was upheld? You know, I would say that each of these principles stood him in good stead in every area of his life. You know, as he was tormented, I think, by the wickedness of the palace growing up, by the trauma and fear of his flight into exile, those moments rearing sheep in a place called nowhere, returning to the cauldron of Egypt under orders from God, and facing the Pharaoh whom he had defeated by the power of God. And more so, he took the whinging Israelites through the desert right up to the east bank of the Jordan he saw such evil he saw such evil doers I mean rise and he saw them fall but he saw his Lord as the only constant in his life rest 
rest that's what he did he rested in God now rest is difficult when you're fretting you, you know you might be sitting down but if you're fretting you're not resting you're fretting you know, and it's very difficult to rest when you're fretting it's difficult to rest when you're angry it's difficult to rest when you're envious and it's difficult to rest when you were full of wrath you know but having dealt with these three antidotes we are now able to enjoy the rest that God offers so abundantly you know when you think that the one who looks out for us the one who has our backs the one who is forever uh, on the one whose eyes are forever on us and whose mind is marked by our existence when you think that he is trustworthy he is trustworthy that's when we begin to rest yes the world is agitated and that agitation is bound to impress upon us but we've got a different view because we can see the one who is invisible to the ones who are outside they have no God who can hold them in good stead they've got millions of gods but none of them can hold them in good stead but you and I like Moses we can see the one who is invisible mm-hmm. the hand that is behind it all the one who is orchestrating the one whose will is being done continually the one who either ordains or allows things to come into our lives we're in his hands we're in his hands you know even Daniel not Daniel Job who went through some awful things if he only realized if he did that he was in God's hands all the time and nothing nothing that happened to him nothing that happened to him could have destroyed him you know, and, and it's, it's great for us to realize that he is trustworthy the one that we can see Jesus Christ the righteous you know it's interesting to note how thrilled Jesus is when he comes to the end of his earthly ministry and he looks at these 11 men who has accompanied him through thick and thin knowing that they would forsake him knowing that they would deny him knowing that they would flee yet he still had their personal and spiritual welfare at heart you know going back to the garden of Gethsemane that we've looked at so many times this last year or two you know his captives arrive on the scene and immediately fall down flat on their faces and Jesus speaks to them as they are rolling around on the floor and he says I have, I have told you that I am therefore if you seek me let these go they've done nothing let them go their way and listen to this that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke of those whom you give me I have lost none and that's the security that you and I have in 2020 when everything else is falling apart when the prophets of doom are telling us that this is going to happen and that's going to happen let me tell you God will be with us every second of the year every second of the day he's with us and we can trust him 
Because even when Jesus was being arrested to be taken to the cross, his main concern was his disciples. And today, his main concern is his disciples. And we are his disciples. And it can be written and spoken of by Christ that whoever God has given him, he will lose none. He will lose none. And that's the confidence that we have. That's what we live our lives by. That whatever happens around us, whatever falls apart, and it will do and it can do, God is with us. And God holds us in His hands. And those hands are so closed around us. And those arms are underneath us. And therefore, why do we fear? Why do we fret? Why are we envious of anyone? Why are we angry with people? You know, can we rest in this? Of those you, whom you gave me, I have lost none. Is it possible? Is it possible for us to not cease from fretting when we have such a wonderful Savior who's given us such a wonderful promise that He will never leave us or forsake us? His commitment to us is absolutely absolute and it's incredible. John Calvin says, Anyone who has the firm conviction that he will never be forsaken, forsaken by the Lord will not be unduly anxious because he will depend upon God's providence. You know, when we think that as we have delighted in him, then his will becomes our own. That we are so privileged to be in sync with God, in line with His will, in tune with His ideals, that we have become one with Him. You know, when it sure takes the edge of what we see happening in the world today. You know, instead of raging with anger and frustration, we see how sad these people are. Running around like headless chickens, trying to satisfy themselves. I mean, it's it's such a a sad sight that we see in the world. You know, because we see them through the eyes of our Saviour. And therefore we realise that they are like sheep without a shepherd. They need feeding. They need teaching. They need guiding. Yes, Lord, but they're millionaires. They got four cars in the garage. They got a yacht on the Thames. But I tell you this, that does nothing for them on the inside. It might look good on the outside. You'll be travelling down a road in our open top car with the music going on and the ladies in the back and everything. But what's happening inside? That's the important bit. That's the important bit. You can wear a suit to cover the outside from Savile Row. If that's still available now. But what covers the inside? That's the important bit. You know, are we agitated within? Are we furious within? Are we envious within? You know, I told her the story the other day of being in Weymouth, on the quayside in Weymouth. And a little boat goes up. And we all look at the boat and think, wouldn't mind a little boat like that. And then as he was going up, a bigger boat came down. And the fellow in the little boat looked at the big boat and said, you wouldn't mind having a bigger boat like him. You know, as he passed down, a bigger boat came back up. 
You know, and the, and the one in the bigger boats saw the one in the biggest boat, and he thought, wouldn't have a, might have a bigger boat. Like, you know, envious. Listen, satisfaction is not guaranteed in this world. Only, the only guarantee of satisfaction is these principles that we've been looking at. There's no other place to go for fulfillment. They need a shepherd. They need feeding. They need teaching. They need guidance. You see, the absence of such rage will usher in rest for our souls. As we look to God to affect the situations, or as our text says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. You see, I'm sitting here and I know that God has got me. He's got the situation that I'm in. He's got this. You know, I can hear him say, Son, I've got this. I'm in control. I've got this is in my hand. I've, I've prepared for this. You know, I got an app for this. No problem. My Lord is so raging. I'm so frightened. I'm so fretting. This is on top of me. That's on top of me. You know, this is burdening me. I'm condemned about this. I'm guilty about this. Son, I've got it. I've got it. I've sent my son to deal with all those things anyway. And I've sent my spirit to live within you. To deal with the things that you're going through now. Why are you fretting? Why are you envious? Why are you full of wrath? Why don't you rest? Yes, it seems out of control. But he's got it. You and me think that we have committed our ways to him. Then wow, whatever happens... As I said earlier, is either ordained or allowed by the one who loved me enough to die on the cross for me. Not so much he loves me. Do you think he's going to allow anything to hurt me now if he went through that suffering to protect me? You know, that makes me feel so valuable. In fact, priceless is the word that I would put on my head. I wouldn't put it on it. He puts it on it. A commodity so precious that God will in no way take any chances with our circumstances. You know what Deuteronomy chapter 33 says? We're in His hands. We're at His feet. We're by His side. We're on His shoulders. His everlasting arms are under us in fact more than in his hands we've been engraved into his hands you know you can drop something but you can't drop a scar a scar whether you chuck it or try to get rid of it that scar will remain that scar says I love you this much Jesus was allowed allowed himself to be nailed to a cross you know, we are secreted, uh, says um, Psalm 51, into the very heart of God Himself. What a place to be. A place where you would put your most valued treasure. What did Jesus say? Wherever your treasure is, there is your heart. And if we are in His heart, then we are His treasure. You know, and He's not in no way going to take his eye off his treasure because he's paid an awful lot 
for it. You know, is it possible? Is it even conceivable that we cannot rest when such a God is ours? You know, and I'm just finished with this little uh, sentence from a, a lady called Anne Steele. This only can my fears control and bid my sorrows fly. What harm could ever reach my soul beneath my father's eye? There ends our look into the principles of this psalm that will hold us in good stead throughout the rest of the year. Let's remember them. Trust in the Lord. Feed on his faithfulness. Remember that he's been faithful in the past. And how faithful he's been, knowing that he will be the same in the future. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he will bring, he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. And he will make your righteousness shine. Rest in the Lord and be patient or wait patiently for him. This only can my fears control and bid my sorrows fly. What harm could ever reach my soul beneath my father's eye? For his name's sake. Amen.